This episode is brought to you by the Game Designers Movie. Get a behind-the-scenes look at some of your favorite board game designers in this full-length documentary. To find out more, go to thegamedesignersmovie.com. Welcome to Rolling Dice and Taking Names. This is episode 175, Sailing. My name is Marty. And I'm Tony. You just got back from a massive vacation where you, sounds like you did a lot of sailing. That's right. We spent 13 days in the Caribbean on a cruise ship. That's right. We were on a Holland America cruise ship. We went around to all these amazing countries. Well, we went to Croatia. We went to Italy. We went to Malta. We went to Montenegro. We hit all these places. And let me tell you, Marty, of all the stops, if I had known and if I had looked and if I had been diligent and posted in the Slack channel that we have for our Pod Pledge backers, I still won't call it Podge Pledge, Marty. And it's okay. I would have found out that one of our listeners, Ivor, was at one of my stops. He was in Reykjavik. And when I told Donna that one of our cruise stops, there was a listener there. She said, you mean to tell me that we could have had someone showing us all the good local places to eat? Because, you know, they don't feed you on a cruise ship. I think there's sarcasm there. There's a little sarcasm. He could have taken me around. I could have probably gotten in some games. Donna would have been fine with that could have met him, but unfortunately I didn't do it. I need to think about that. I went, you know, in Malta, I was looking for Rado's house, but he's long gone. He's back in the United States. Correct. Yep. So, you know, I mean, but, but, but think about that, Marty. Rolling dice and taking names is international. That's kind of scary. So now we're basically responsible for foreign relations. I wouldn't say foreign relations. It's just not teaching the English grammar. Okay, that's that's fair. Now, I, I would do want to take a quick time out because I think a lot of people are currently uh, pulling up uh, world maps and Google maps trying to figure out how in the heck... Tony took a Caribbean cruise and saw Italy. I'm trying to actually put those two together myself, and I can't figure it out. Did I say Caribbean? Yes, you sure did. I did. Mediterranean. Because <laughs> so, when you said Caribbean, I thought, man, I thought for sure he was going like over to Europe and stuff. And then you said and Malta and Italy. It's like, I don't think Tony knows where, he's, knows where he went to. Yeah, he went to the Mediterranean. Hey, I guess maybe because he was. Um, we were looking at other possible cruises and i was looking at the dice tower cruise that you know they do the caribbean so i guess that was just stuck in my mind now one of the neat things that i will say that happened on our cruise well you got to talk about origins and i don't want to belabor labor on my cruise is it belager or belabor beleaguer belabor believe it's one of the two okay you don't want to dwell on it let me tell you this i got back in we are recording this on July 8th. Is that the right date? Yes, I sir. I got in last night into Charlotte, North Carolina. We got plane touchdown at 8 p.m. There's a six hours difference between Rome and Charlotte. I had no, I did not sleep on the plane. I watched two Lord of the Rings movies to stay awake. And I went to bed and I was up at 3 a.m. this morning, dude. Jet lag will do that. So 
all cylinders are not firing here. This is going to be a very special episode. Since when are all cylinders firing on any RDTN episode? I would have to agree with you there. See, I've already forgot what I was talking about. Did you see the picture I posted of the lawnmower? Um, no, I didn't. Do you even go to our Slack channel? Every single day. And you didn't see the picture I, I of the lawnmower? I may have. I don't know. You were posting all these pictures. I, I, I don't know. I, I may have saw it. So you saw a lawnmower over uh, over there? They have lawnmowers over there, huh? Yeah, I took a picture of a lawnmower just for the fun of it. I said, hey, look, there's a Viking lawnmower. You can get a Viking lawnmower. And I thought I was, maybe I was in the Arctic Seas. I saw a Viking lawnmower, not the Mediterranean. Or the Caribbean. Or the Caribbean or... Ah, the Pacific. I don't know. I was, I was, uh, there was a lot of water, but I do know that when we were at Mount Etna, it kind of burped. Uh, a volcano? Is that what you're talking yeah. about? Yeah. Mount okay. Etna is a volcano. It mm-hmm. kind of burped and we were there. That was kind of interesting. And, um, and then Stromboli, which is, I'm not talking about the pizza that folds in half. There's an actual island near mm. Sicily. Now I want some Stromboli. Let me tell you. Some of the pizza I had over there in Napoli, oh, also known as Naples. Oh, that was so good. Mm. Posted that picture too. Anyway, Stromboli erupted a little bit. And so our cruise ship did like a little circling and we were watching these firefighting planes dip into the ocean, mm-hmm. scoop up the water, and then pour it on the hot lava. Hot magma. <laughs> so anyway, incredible vacation. Happy to be back because when I left, there was going to be a leak at the street, I thought I was going to have to be doing some plumbing when I got home because when I left, I walked across my yard between the water meter and it was like walking on a waterbed. And I'm like, oh, you got to be kidding me right before I go on vacation. But no, it's the, it's the city's fault, so I don't have to do that. Our flight got canceled on the way back, so I thought I'd still be flying today. But nope, I was able to get rerouted. So I got home, like I said yesterday, and I am happy to be back producing and starring on... Starring. <laughs> 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 okay, we'll, we'll say that. <laughs> this week on RDTN, starring Tony McCree and Marty Connelson. Yeah. I'm just so glad, like many people who are discovering solo play rules and games, people are discovering rolling dice and taking names. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, from our last episode, uh, uh, Tony kind of, I don't know, out of nowhere, took it like a pot shot at Rodney Smith from Watch It Played using the word uh, discover, discover for yourselves. And we got a lot of comments <laughs> about that. All of a sudden, the everybody was talking about discover this for yourselves all over the place. And I will say this, at the very uh, end of the episode, we always have the little stinger at the very end yeah. of, our, of our theme music. Guess how many videos I had to watch the end of before I finally caught him to say it? Just three. Just, Just the three. third oh, one. No. It's like, and there it is. I'll let you discover the solo rules for yourself. Oh, he knows we love him. It was just, it's just funny. And that's one of the things that you learn is just the expressions and how things happen. And I was just like, oh, okay. Okay. But the, the real funny thing is, and let's tell what happened here. We recorded that segment before Rodney released the rules for Imperial Settlers Roll and Write, assuming, <laughs> assuming he would not do the solo rule. So it was going to be kind of a ha-ha. We covered Imperial Settlers rolling right in that episode. We talked about discovering the solo rules for yourself, and Rodney was getting released the video. Perfect timing. Tony, you like out of the blue contacted me like right after you dropped the video. It's like, you're not going to believe this. He covered the solo rules in the video. (laughs) I know. Where is he? 
what is he doing here? But hold on. The story continues because in that episode, we mentioned about Rodney not doing the solo rules, <laughs> assuming he was not going to do it. So now editor Marty has to go back into that segment and pull out every reference to Imperial Stellar's rolling oh, right and try Lordy. to patch it all back together to make it sound like <laughs> we had made some sense. Oh, so who got the last laugh without even knowing? Rodney did, and he didn't even know it actually because he just like proved us wrong. The whole thing was about to make a pick on him about Imperial Settlers rolling right and. Doggone it. The one time he does the solo rules. <laughs> That's a, oh, but uh, on the cruise. So I will admit, Don and I, and uh, if everything goes well, she's going to join me, and we're going to go over uh, a couple games we played on the cruise. Some we've already covered, but I think people, would, they've enjoyed listening to Vanessa, and yes. we've had some interesting comments about how maybe Vanessa could do a segment over mm -hmm. on our BGG Guild. No, no, I think she meant in the show. I mean, yeah, I'm sorry, in the show, mm -hmm. that she does a segment on Just Buy It. Right, so, <laughs> <laughs> so I'll come back to your segment in just a second. So Vanessa does not like to come on the show and give any negative reviews. She says, I don't want to bash a game. That's just not who I am. So somebody had the idea, okay, just have her do segments on games she really enjoys and just call, just go buy it. And I went, I told Vanessa, I said, we got the segment for you. <laughs> and she kind of looked at me and it was like, all right. So I had to, Vanessa takes a little prodding to get to come on the show. It makes her, uh, she likes to do it, but it's kind of like, kind of makes her nervous. It's like, she's scared. She's going to screw up and stuff like that. But I tell her she always does a great job. So give her a bunch of positive feedback here. Maybe we can get her to come on to a regular segment, but yes, I'm excited to hear y'all segment about what well, a few rolling rights. And some of them are brand new from uh, stronghold games, right? That's absolutely right. We're going to talk a little bit about that. If I can do enough prodding on her, maybe, uh, I don't know. She's, she promised me that she would do it because one of them she really enjoyed. Matter of fact, that was the one we played the most on the cruise ship. I'm not going to talk. Uh, we played Silver, which will be coming out at Gen Con. Mm -hmm. Still love that game, Marty. Oh, Does it still go over well with your group? Bezier, well, it was me, Donna, and Rebecca, our daughter. She was with us on the cruise, mm -hmm. and we were playing it, and we were having a blast with those cards and the actions that you could take, and Rebecca was enjoying the take that type of nature of Silver. I think Bezier, they're going to have this big rush, great filler. I mean, we'd finish up dinner and before we'd go to, to the show or go to get ready for bed or whatever, we would play some games and we played silver. Now I will say on the game corner of the cruise ship, they had some games. Oh, nice. You could definitely get Farkle. Of course. Sure. Categories. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, there was Pictionary. Okay. 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 All right. Because you know, you know, on a cruise ship, you're going to have a big Pictionary get together. And actually they did host a Pictionary. Um, they also had a Five Crowns, which I still play. I enjoy that little simple card game. Mm -hmm. And then the big game that they had, and I actually saw people playing this, Catan. Oh, that's cool. Mm -hmm. That's cool. I mean, that's, that's becoming... Um, I don't know. I think with a lot of people who aren't into the gaming hobby like like we are, uh, Catan is becoming more well-known like Monopoly and Sorry and stuff like that to where it's like they see it enough on the shelves at Target and Walmart that even if they never played it, maybe they just at least recognize it. Matter of fact, I was going to set it up 
in the um, Explorer's Lounge, which is where they do all the games and the sit-backs, the bar and things like that, nice tables in there. And I was going to set it up and see if I could get people to join me. But when I went to go get it to set it up, somebody had it out. And they had taken, I guess, to their stateroom and they were playing it because it showed up later about 11 p.m. And I'm like, I ain't blanket on it, no, 11 p.m. Did you happen to see the announcement while you were gone from Asmodee, the Catan Studios, they're re-releasing... Starfarers of Catan. No, I did not. Yes, that is going to be a special edition that's going to be coming out. And I've heard really good things about it and never played yes. it. And that game is 20 years old. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, whenever you see it, people quickly buy it up because they love it. Well, that's pretty good that they're doing that. Yep. So I, I actually want a copy of that. I, again, I don't know how it's different from regular Catan, but the theme of it sounds really cool. And I don't know. Maybe it'll get me back into the to the Catan thing. I mean, I walked by a guy who was playing it when he was there, and I go, wood for sheep? And he kind of chuckled, and I just kept walking. But you know, <laughs> It's like, no matter who plays the game, you got to have the joke, right? Yeah, exactly. And, and so I'm, I'm with you. I, I, I'm very interested in seeing what that. I, no, I did not see any news, because of the two things you know about me, one, buyer's remorse is one of my biggest things. Sure. And the second thing is I'm cheap. <laughs> And so uh, we stayed airplane mode unless we got free Wi-Fi at the port. Plain and simple. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, you don't want to pay for any roaming charges or anything like that. Shoot. Mobile data. And when my wife said, yeah, we're, it's a dollar per kilobyte. I went, a dollar per kilobyte? A dollar kilobyte? Holy cow. And, I, and Rebecca goes, no, mom, megabyte. Okay, I, that's a little bit better. I'm like, one megabyte, and you're uploading five pictures to Facebook. <laughs> It'll break this. <laughs> that's $5 right there if it's high res. Yeah, I, I got a question that. for you. You talked about um, watching movies on the way back over. you telling me you didn't take the switch on this trip where you could have spent hours in Hyrule? First off, yes, I did not take the switch. I sat there and debated it. I was like... Do I want to take it? And I said, well, sometimes I need the Wi-Fi. And then I'm like, well, will the it will only last me four hours. It's called recharging. Yeah, but am I going to have a charger on the plane? I'm going to have a port for it. Will it work? Will it actually carry the charger? Portable charger. I've got a solution for everything you come up with here. Well, you have the solutions. <laughs> I don't have the solutions. <laughs> I needed an external plug to be able to put the bad boy in there and charge it. And I'm like, you know what? I'm already carrying, I've got three large suitcases, two carry-ons, one backpack. I don't need any more. And and plus I'm like, do I want to put my, I did take my iPad with me so that we could play potions explosion online. I mean, potions explosions while we were on the plane quicks and all the other games I have potions, explosions, explosion, potions, isn't it? Potion explosion, potion explosion. Is it this, but it's not potions, explosions. It's just potion explosions, right? Did I point out I got up at 3 a.m. this morning? Yeah, I know. But the Caribbean is just south of us. How is there any jet lag? Because I was in the med. (laughs) Man, you just made me spit all over my microphone. (laughs) Oh, gosh. Good thing I don't use that microphone. I had a great time. I'm happy to be back. Looking forward to our game week. Looking forward to our game. Now, let me tell you this. Do I need to waste my time? Because I didn't have internet over there, so I didn't watch your review of Spider-Man Homecoming. Do you need to watch the review? No, go see it. No, I need to go. Okay, I want to watch your review. I always watch your reviews that you do on your Facebook, your personal Facebook. Yep. So I can determine what, because if you usually love a movie and you think it's your humor, then I know I'm not going to like it. Yeah, you and I both know that. That's a, that's a common <laughs> I, I was going to say, you're going to see if I liked it, then you're not going to go see it. Did you like Homecoming? Spider-Man Homecoming? We watched it uh, one night on the ship. So yes, I loved it. Okay. You'll like this one. 
Okay. Okay. Because this it's pretty it's a lot in the same vein. It does play taste take place after Endgame. You see that, so you're cool there because there's there's some spoilery stuff in there. So yes, if you liked Homecoming, go see it. Plus, it's the last Marvel movie you're going to get to see for quite a while, and it's your favorite superhero. And I do have a question for you, as the avid Spider-Man fan between the two of us. Which of the three actors do you think best portrays Peter Parker slash Spider-Man? So you know I don't remember the actor names, and you've asked me this before. Well, I'm asking again. Tobey Maguire was the first. James Garfield. Is it James Garfield? Yes. And then, uh, obviously, Tom Holland. Tom. I agree. I I really enjoyed Tobey because he was the first one. I thought he did a good Mm -hmm. job, but to me... And more so, even more so in this movie, Tom Holland captures the Peter Parker, 16-year-old, oh my gosh, I've got all this responsibility, but I'm still in high school and I want to be a kid sort of deal. I think he does a really good job with that. And I think he does the innocence. Yes. The innocence of, of young Peter Parker, not the Peter Parker in issues 300 plus of Sp- the amazing Spider-Man, but the younger Peter Parker learning to deal with that. And I think he captures that. I like the take that they have of, you know, this various twists from the, the 60s Spider-Man and bringing it up to today. I, I, I enjoy what they've done because Rebecca and I were watching the, you know, homecoming and we were still laughing at some of the scenes in it, mm-hmm. even though we knew what was coming, especially at the end. You know, we're happy standing there and the kids in the toilet. That was, we were just chuckling at the awkward silence they did. Before we started recording, uh, the boys had on Civil War downstairs. One of the FX or somebody was showing it. And it was the scene, the big fight scene at the airport. And, you know, so, you know Spider-Man comes in there and he's just, you know, awestruck. Hey, it's Captain <laughs> America. You know, he's fighting these people. Like, I really respect what you do and everything. I just thought that captured him so well. Like, he was doing what he was told. He was fighting and stuff, but he was just in awe of the people he was fighting. It's like, how does that shield work? That thing just totally defies physics, Captain America. <laughs> <laughs> So as a podcast about board games, we've covered just a few topics. Mm-hmm. But while I was gone, did you play any board games with the boys or with the neighborhood scurry? Before we go talk about the games I played, uh, we got something super exciting to share. What would that be? I mean, I, I can't think of anything more exciting than the fact that you've got additional games coming up. I mean, what could top that? What could top anything? Strike tournament, um, new game design shirts. This has to be huge. This has to be big. What is it? How about our first ever promo card so what it's got one letter on it so everybody can read it (laughs) yes we are excited to announce our first ever promo card brought to us from ignacia portal and it's a promo card for a game that's not even out yet i'm amazed by that from the standpoint that he was thinking of us like that I, i mean he could have done something for robinson or stronghold or something along those lines he which game Empires of the North, the big game that's coming out at Gen Con. It's based on the Imperial Settlers series of games, has the same theme and everything. And he made us a special card just for that. We hadn't even played it yet, and we've already got promo cards. So let me understand this. Did we get a lot of them, or did he just make like one or two? We got a ton of them. And we're going to be taking these to Gen Con. And we're going to be doing a bunch of special things at Gen Con so that people can get these in their hands. I know we'll set up some time at uh, Gen Con where if we're at the booth, we'll come by, buy a copy of Empires of the North. We'll give you uh, a copy of that, uh, of the promo card, not the game. 
No, not the game. No, no. So for 60 bucks, you get a game and a card. And sure, for those that are probably coming to our strike tournament on Thursday night at 7 p.m., I'm sure there'll be opportunities to get your hands on those as well. Yes, we sure will. And something else, if you're at Gen Con and you see Tony or I walking around, all you have to do is come up to us and say, what kind of lawnmower you have, and you'll get a copy of this card, as it's very pertinent, as this card is called Lawn. And on it is one of the little Imperial Settlers dudes mowing his lawn. Ooh. Is it an actual mower? It's not like one of the push mowers? Is he, is he got little, has got an engine on it? Yes. Okay. Well, man, I didn't think, I thought these guys were back in the time before engines, but I guess these guys, move, I haven't seen the game yet. Well, I haven't either. <laughs> we, <laughs> We've seen the rules. <laughs> but what's so cool about this card is it's a basic card. And at the beginning of the game, everybody starts with a set of basic cards for generating resources. I asked Ignacy, okay, how exactly does this card work? And he said, okay, here's what happens. First player gets a copy of this card. And that's the only copy in the game. Because when you use this card, you pass it to the person to the left. You can just say, get off my lawn and hand it to the next person. But it has a very useful function in that you can spend a worker to get Apple. And that may not mean much now, except apples can be used to take an additional action on the little action rondelle. And again, that may not mean anything to anybody because the game's not out, but I at least have read the rules and how that works. So if you have the game, you only need one copy. That's a bonus. Yes, so you don't need multiple copies. You just need one. And if you don't if you don't have the game, you can still have a copy of the car because it has our little logo on the bottom. Ooh, mm-hmm. it's got a lawnmower. It's got a lawnmower. Come on, what, what more could you want? So we are super excited about this. So yes, we're going to have multiple ways to get these into your hands. If you come into our strike tournament, we'll get you one there. Uh, we're going to be at the booth at Gen Con. We're going to be giving out some there. And again, if you see us somewhere. And you just come up to us and say, hey, here's the kind of lawnmower I have. Oh, if you don't have a lawnmower, that's fine. Go, I don't even have a lawnmower. Have a promo card. Now, let's be clear on this. If I'm in the grocery store and you recognize me. This is at Gen Con. Okay. I said Gen Con. I know, but then the second step. I just want to clarify this because you were scaring me. I don't want to be carrying these promos around all day. (laughs) You just got to carry enough at Gen Con. Put them in your little Gen Con badge holder because you can probably hold about well, I probably only need like one or two because that's the only yeah. people's going to recognize this there. <laughs> I think to be fair, if you're at Gen Con and you can't recognize, first off, uh, I'm easy to spot. And even we'll put our there. pictures in our Twitter profile. How about that? Sure, we can do that. And But we'll also probably be wearing our own stuff, our own squirrel shirts, our own RDTN shirts. Mm-hmm. We'll be at the booth. Will be loud or I'll be loud. And if you're not going to Gen Con, you're like, well, great, guys. Maybe I want to copy that. What we're going to be doing is let's go to our pod podge pledge page. Pod pledge or podge pledge. It doesn't matter. If you're a backer of our stinking pin level, since we're already sending you something, we're going to go ahead and include one of these promo cards. If not, we're going to put this promo card on our store so that you can order it. And we're going to make this dirt cheap. We hadn't set the price yet, but we're going to just going to basically cover the cost of shipping. And, um, and whatever materials it takes to ship, we're going to put it out there and we can send you one. Plus, we'll probably make a penny. Yeah. Or two. Yes, exactly. I mean, my so, time is worth something. It, it is, because you're going to be... You're Stuffing envelopes. Putting, yes. So, we don't know, $5 or less, something like that. So, something, because you only need one copy, so we'll get you one to, to have with your game, or just to have one on your own. So, that's pretty flipping cool. That's pretty cool that we got our first promo. Appreciate that, Ignacy. Wow. And... Unless it's changed, our logo's on the box. Ooh. Recommended by us. 
But and we haven't even played it yet. Oh, okay. But I'm sure we'll recommend it. I assume so. We yeah, I read to. the rules. We so, have to now. I read the rules too. So I mean, it looks like a it looks like a pretty uh, intelligent, challenging mm-hmm. game. So and I'm excited about it. Reading the rules, it's not an Imperial Settlers carbon copy. I honestly thought it was going to be Imperial Settlers with a couple extra things. And aside from the theme, it's actually really different. Okay. I didn't. I, you didn't read the rules that closely, did you? Well, I I got through half of them. But oh, I, here we go. Well, when you told me that we are not playing it on our game night, I uh, kind of put it on the side. We thought we might have it for game night this week, and and it's not going to make. But that's that okay. Time. That's fine. So I was getting through them. I mean, there was no video for me to watch. That was obvious. There was you know nothing for me to discover there. <laughs> Um, so. <laughs> to discover that on your own. Oh, yes. <laughs> I'm excited about that. We got our first promo. Maybe there'll be more coming from other. Yeah, right. Who am I kidding? <laughs> Thank you, Ignacy, for including us with this promo card. Hey, maybe we can squeeze a stronghold something out of it too. Stronghold undead. I could see that happen. Now, I, we do have a likeness somewhere in some other game, but I can't remember what that is. But when, when did we ever get to play that? Well, oh, the two, we're the two headed Etten in Overpowered. Is it Overpowered? Yeah, is that out? I don't know. <laughs> I'd like to talk to Nate, our guy, our friend from the Scurry Report, because he helped with that game. So, but this is really cool. It's it's lawn, dude mowing his lawn, and it's a it's just a cute little picture. Except the font's just as small. It's not any bigger. That's all right. You know what it does. It's easy. <laughs> that's that's right. So again, thank you. And if you want uh, a copy, you could easily get one at Gen Con, as we'll be there ha- having a bunch with us, and. Uh, eventually, we're going to put this on our Pod Pledge store so that you can go ahead and order one for yourself. Now, let's go talk about some games. Portal Games is currently running their big Kickstarter for their next edition. Yeah, you you mean that release while I was gone? You're telling me that Stronghold Undead is on Kickstarter? Oh boy. Um. I'm sorry for the, I'm sorry to get you excited, but no, it's oh, the other big really? release from um from uh, oh, oh Robinson Caruso's next expansion. <laughs> Ignacy's listening to this, going, "Oh my gosh, what are they doing to me?" No, Tony, it's the new third edition of Predator that Ignacy has been teasing for years is now currently on Kickstarter. As of the release of this episode, you've only got like a week left to get it. This Kickstarter is going to close July 22nd. It's currently funded. It funded in 41 minutes. Ignacy has been so excited today on Twitter because it funded so quickly. The goal was $35,000. we are not even like uh, eight hours into it and it's already at 125000 It's going like crazy. And Tony, before we recorded this, you said, by the way, don't say Pret-a-Porter because it's wrong. But I can't say, is it, you said Pret-a-Portier? Pret-a-Portier? I, uh, maybe it is Pret-a-Porter in the third edition. Second edition was Pret-a-Portier. <laughs> and, and version one was Pret-a-Portier. <laughs> I don't know. So, you and I, we don't get anything right, and Ignacy knows that. It's, it says a P-O-R-T-E-R, Porter. There's no Poitier in there at all. So this is one of Ignacy's first games, correct? Yes. That he's re-releasing. He's very excited. People have been begging for him to bring it back. And so very excited for this. I don't know why the man was nervous, but he is a nervous Nelly. Just like I have buyer's remorse, he has nervous Nellyness about any of his game releases. Great success. I do like one of his um, already funded 
uh, stretch goals, an insert, or that's how I read it when I was going through it. I'm yeah. like, wait a minute. So you get an insert? So other than that, he was just going to ship up yeah, with a big box. <laughs> <laughs> so here's the thing. Talking about stretch goals, let me just say this real quick. It's $60 for the regular box and all the stretch goals. His stretch goals are really cool. It's not a lot of plastic bits. He's getting a lot of different board game artists mm-hmm. to draw special cards. So I thought that was really cool. But there's one thing I really that I think is very important that I think people need to understand. I talked to Nasi about before we recorded tonight. I asked him, is this going to retail? At first, I thought he said it was not, but it is going to retail. But here's the thing. It's a one and done retail run. He said it's not going to be in their 2020 catalog. They're not doing expansions for this. If you want this, get this now. If you wait until retail, you're going to get you're going to pay the exact same price, 60 bucks, but it doesn't have all the upgraded stuff in it. And you may run to an issue where it's a hot game and then you can't find it, much like has happened with Wingspan uh, when it first came out. He said, but the thing is, though, unlike Wingspan, I'm not going to re- keep reprinting these. So I'm telling you right now, if you want this game, everyone, 60 bucks right now, get the Kickstarter version with all the special stuff. Otherwise, if you wait for the retail, you're going to pay the same price. You might not get it, and it doesn't have all the upgraded stuff. So that in itself is a reason to go to Kickstarter. Or if you want to look for those other Portal games, go to PortalGamesUS.com and check out all their other great games. Ignacy's on a hot streak here. Be sure to check it out. And I know I'm very excited for that upcoming Kickstarter. Stronghold and No, I won't even bother. Yes, Tony, while you were on a vacation, I was playing a lot of different games with friends and family and with our game group and everything. And some of these games are going to be coming out at uh, Gen Con. And that's the ones I kind of really want to focus on first. First, coming from AEG, our two games are going to be introduced at their big game night. They actually have three uh, games being introduced, but the two that I'm going to talk about, one's called Curios. And one is called Point Salad. I'm sorry. Did, wait, wait. Did you just say Cheerios? I, I did. And it did kind of sound like that. Curious. C-U-R-I-O-S. Curious. Curios. Why isn't it curious? What's the difference? Well, it's not curious. It's curios. So spell that again. <laughs> Am I spelling it wrong? <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> Does it spell curious? Now I'm double checking myself, Tony, because that may be wrong. C-U-R-I-O-S. Curios. And how do you spell curious? C-U-R-I-O-U-S. And the game is spelled? C-U-R-I-O-S. This is almost like Paradise Paradise. (laughs) Paradise Paradise. (laughs) Okay. All right. So in Curious, you are... By the way, I got up at 3 a.m., so I'm sorry. You're kind of giddy. Um, I'm giddy. Uh, So in this, you are playing a rogue archaeologist that's trying to find lost artifacts in one of four pyramids. Okay, so I'm Indiana Jones. I'm liking the theme. Yes, it's kind of like that. So there are four colored pyramids out there. Uh, There's four cards associated with each of those pyramids with values one, three, five, and seven. You shuffle those four cards and put it face down in each one of those uh, pyramids. So each one of those pyramids could have some sort of point value of either one, three, five, or seven, but you don't know what it is. You take the remaining cards and deal them to the rest of the players. So let's say it depends on the number of players, how many cards you get, but let's say I got two cards in my hand. So now I can see, oh, okay, well, I know these two cards aren't associated with that, you know, temple. So it's like, oh, look, I've got the red seven. So I know that the red, the temple may not be worth seven points. 
So you have a little bit of hidden information. At this point, you take workers and you put them on a temple in order to take a crystal from it. The crystal is worth the point value of that temple that you don't know what it is until the end of the game. So it's a crapshoot. Maybe, but what you do is you look and see what everybody else bids. Let's say you say this, see this one person totally avoiding one temple but going to another. You may think, oh, then he must know something about this particular temple because he keeps picking up those crystals. All right, so we got a bluffing element going on. There's a little bit of a bluffing element. There's also, it's a little bit of an economic game because the first person to place a pawn there gets a crystal. The next time to get a crystal, it takes two pawns. Then it takes three pawns. So the crystals at the temple get more expensive each round. And once you put all your pawns out, you collect them all back, and then you have a decision to make. You can either get an extra worker that you can use, an extra pawn, and if you do, you have to take one of your cards in your hand and put it face up so that everybody can see it. So you're giving them some knowledge that doesn't help you, that can hurt you at the end. Exactly. So that you can use other archaeologists ding, to ding, discover ding, ding. things, not And pawns. that's the whole game right there. How do I win? Uh, so after all the crystals have been taken or from, from two of the locations, you flip over the point values of each of the temples, and then you take... You know, if hey, I've got five of the red and the red's worth three, so that's 15 points. And you add up each of them, each of the color crystals, person with the most points wins. Simple enough. Yep. And so I taught this to um, our band at our, our church. So we have a couple services we play at. So during downtime, I bring games and we play. And I said, oh, what'd you bring this time, Marty? So I said, I brought you some games that nobody's ever seen yet. They loved this one. They really, really liked <laughs> Curios. So that was a hit. What's so funny? <laughs> The reaction you get when you bring out a new game is 180 degrees separate than when I bring out a new game. <laughs> no, when I come in, uh, the guitar player and the bass player go, Ooh, did you bring something, Marty? What'd you put? We're going to play something today. What'd you bring us? So they get excited. Yeah, that's not the reaction I usually get. <laughs> really? We got, we got to learn another new game. They really like that one. But I also taught them another game, which I really like called Point Salad. Number one. Great name for a game. So this is a card game where you have each card is a particular part of a salad, a tomato, some lettuce, onion, etc. And there's two sides to a card. One is a point value side, which says, hey, at the end of the game, let's say for every tomato you have, you get a point. Or for every set of these, you have a tomato, something else, something else, you get three points. And on your turn, you can either draft the vegetable cards or draft the point cards. Ooh, okay. And what happens is, is when vegetables are taken, the point cards that you, that were there get flipped over and now become the new vegetables. So the point cards are constantly changing and each one's unique. So on your turn, you either take two vegetables or one point card. The goal of the game is to build the best point salad. So that at the end you trigger all these point cards you have and get the most victory points. I really Liked that one. All right. I expect to see this one because this one sounds like a 20 minute. 20 oh, minutes. yeah. Both of these curios is listed at 15 minutes. It was 15. And the other one was listed at 20. It took us 20. But to be honest with you, we had somebody that had AP. I think we could have knocked it out in 15. Our group could knock, easily knock it out in 15 for those who play a lot of games. How much were tomatoes worth? I don't remember. Okay, but tomatoes were worth like three, but tomatoes? Yeah, uh, yeah, I'm not sure. Oh, and here's some of the things. Some of you them You didn't were, even play along. You didn't even play along with me on that. Tomato, tomato? Yeah. Keep going. Okay, I will. Some of them were like, if you have this vegetable, it's 
worth negative points. So some of them were like, okay, well, I don't want to take that vegetable. Some of them were like, for every different type of vegetable you have, you get three points. So it's just a, it's a plethora of different point cards you have. So you have these decisions to make of what kind of salad to build based on what point victory point cards you got. So again, both those games are from AEG, Curios, and Point Salad coming out at Gen Con. I think they're both really good. I think I like points out a little bit more. All right. I hate to put you on the spot here, but I'm going to because it's one of my jobs. Yes. So our scurry reporter, Nate Bivens, Sunday split, point salad. You know, I know there are different themes, different mechanics in there, but they, it, it sounds kind of similar to me. But the thing is, is with like Sushi Go and Sunday split, the points are set. Like mm-hmm. everybody scores the exact same way. That's what's different in this. Because now my I score depending on whichever victory point cards I collect or point generation cards I collect, which is totally different than what you got. Okay. So that that's what makes it really cool. It's like, well, I'm I'm collecting different things because I need these things to make, you know, to me, a tomato may be one point each. To you, it may be minus one point each, depending if you got that particular victory point card in front of you. Okay. Yeah. All right. Looking forward to playing this one. Yeah. Just keep keep sailing through these games, Marty. Don't let me stop you. All right, here we go. Haba. You know, our good friends over at Haba who people know it's like, oh, those are the yellow box games that you make a lot of kids' games for, except they are trying to get to the point and say, look, the games we make, anybody can play. So I put that to the test, Tony. On July 4th, I took two games over to uh, my family's house to play with uh, my sister and my brother-in-law. And they're nine-year-old. I was okay, putting wait. the nine-year-old to the test. Yes, go. Okay, I have a question for you then. Yes. So is this, when you bring a new game to a family event, is this the reaction similar to the one I get, or is it like the band reaction? It's the band reaction. As soon as I walk in, my brother-in-law says, hey, did you bring us a game for us to play? Oh, man. God. It is different. Okay. So the first game we played was a 2018 Kinderspiel de Jar. I'm not going to say that again. Uh, winner, which called Dragon's Breath. I got to see this at uh, Origins, and I thought, okay, this is a, a really cute little game. So the concept is, is each of you going to be a dragon who are breathing fire on these ice rings. So you have these plastic rings, eight to ten of them, that you stack in the middle, and then you fill it up with different colored crystals. All right? And then on a person's turn, uh, you're, what you're going to do is, the goal is try to figure out which crystals are going to drop from this column when you take the top ring off. So when it's a person's turn, the person to the left will take one of the colored tokens that represents each of the different colors of the crystals. So it's like, ooh, you think, oh, okay, blue, a lot of blue is going to fall off this turn. So you claim the blue crystal and it goes all the way around to everybody has a crystal. The person takes the ring off, things fall down, and then you collect them and put them in a little in your little dragon cave. It's really cool, like the the uh, ins, insert of the board. You play on the inside of the box, and there's little holes in the corners that you can stuff mm-hmm. your little crystals. It's, it's cute. And uh, so you keep going till everybody's pulled off all the rings. You pull the top off to reveal the dragon cave, count up all the crystals. The person with the most crystals wins. The whole family loved it. So uh, my sister, brother-in-law, her, the uh, the nine-year-old really liked it. So, And it's one of those things, very easy to teach. My parents could easily understand it and everything. That's Dragon's Breath. Again, I don't know, Tony, if it's going to be one that I'm going to bring out you know, to Mark and Nate from the Scurry Report. But for family members, I think it's really good. Now, what, one of the things I will say about Dragon's Breath here is that I like it, it inverts the old game that we played, you know, Kerplunk. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I will say a big positive to this to Kerplunk is setup looks amazingly easy. Piece of cake. And then, you know, you had to spin the old Kerplunk. And if a marble drops, tough noogies, it was your marble. And oh, that game was so frustrating. But oh, this is so cute. Look at the pretty colors. Mm-hmm. Like I said, it's, it looks like it's just a kid's game, but it's one of those things, honestly, anybody can play. The one that they really liked was a game coming out of Gen Con, Gen Con called Mountains. Your goal is to climb up a mountain, as you, and as you reach individual camps or hiking trails, you have a little book that you stamp. Yes, you get an actual rubber stamp, Tony, with sheets and a little folder to put it in. And when you complete a successfully hike on a trail or make it to a camp, you take a little rubber stamp and stamp it on your little sheet. You get a stamp. So everybody loved getting a little rubber stamper and stamping their pad as we played. That was cute. All right. I'm liking this. I'm liking this whole idea. <laughs> yeah. I mean, again, it's it's a, it's a big, thick pad of paper, so you're not going to run out or anything like that. You may have to get some more ink. It depends on how many people are, how, how judicious they are with the ink. As like people, you don't need to re-ink the, the pad every time. <laughs> it's like we can stamp this thing four or five times before you re-ink, people. Come on. You're going to use up all the ink. I was getting a little flustered by that. Because the nine-year-old kept wanting to re-ink everything. But don't you have, like, I when Rebecca would do crafts, I still have ink pads all over. They even moved when I moved all the ink pads. I got I got ink pads. I got you covered. That's like $2 at Michael's with the 50% off coupon, dude. Get over it. So this game is really straightforward <laughs> in that it, everybody's going to be dealt some equipment cards. It's different equipment cards that's used for camping, lanterns, carabiners, water bottles, rope, etc. So you have a hand of cards. And then you have different uh, difficulties of paths that you need to go on. The higher difficulty and paths require more equipment. The easiest one uh, requires just one equipment up to one that it has like five, four, about five, but two of them are going to be identical. So the higher you go, the harder it is to complete. So you take a card and you, you reveal, it's like, hey, here's what equipment I need. If you have it in your hand, fantastic. You just show that equipment, you complete that task, and then you get something in return. It's either a stamp or a favor cube. And you may be wondering, what is a favor cube used for? Here's what it's used for. Let's say I take a, a hiking card or trail card that requires two pieces of equipment, and it requires a carabiner and a lighter. And I've only got the lighter. So now I can borrow somebody else's carabiner. So I take a favorite cube and let's say I hand it to you and I go, Tony, here's a cube. Do you have a carabiner I can borrow? If you do, you just show it and I go, cool. I complete this task and I move, go on my way. I don't take it from you. You still keep it. But now it's a memorization game. I now know you have a carabiner. Then later in the game, when I need that carabiner again, I can give you a cube and I get to use it. So the more you play, the more you know what everybody has in their hand. And here's the what the cool trick is. You have to give the cube first before they answer. So if you don't have one, I can just, man, I think Tony had, had a, uh, a tent. I think he had a tent. So I hand you a cube. There you go, Tony. Do you have a tent? And you go, nope, but I'll take that cube. Thank you very much. And so it's this really cute management of these favor cubes that you got to make sure that you have around, plus memorizing what other people have played with the whole goal of you play until like uh, two of the upper three or four decks are empty and then the game's over and you count up how many stamps you have in your book and the person with the most wins. But it's a memory game, Tony. And guess who 
out of the 40 and 50 year old and nine year old group won that game easily. The nine year old. The nine year old destroyed us because she's like, well, I know you got this and you got this and you got two of these and take three of these. So I say, favorite cube, favorite cube, favorite cube, favorite cube. And I go, yeah, we got that. Oh, cool. Stamp, 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 stamp. It was, it was embarrassing. Hey, I was, when you were talking about this, I'm reflecting back on when we were playing silver. Okay. What were these two cards on the end? And now you're telling me I got to remember everybody other's cards? I can't even remember my two cards in silver, and you're wanting me to remember three other hands? Oh, <laughs> so, my heavens. <laughs> so get this. And as the game progresses, there are cards in the uh, the hiking uh, decks that will just say, hey, if you want, you can spend a cube to get a new equipment card, where everybody wants to do it because they want more choices. So over the course of the game, each person may have like seven or eight cards in their hand that you're now trying to remember what people have. Go fish. <laughs> that's the, it's kind of like that's what my sister said you know go fish it's exactly what it is and you can't lie or anything if you got it you got to show it but again you're never giving away the equipment you just always keep it so it's a really good memory game it's it's again good for all ages i really enjoyed this one that's a great teaching game great teaching game right there yeah it is and anybody can play it like i said the nine-year-old destroyed us but everybody had a good time with it so that's mountain is it mountain or mountains mountains and that's going to be coming out from haba uh, at Gen Con. Uh, next time we get together, the game, the, the big group of us, you need to bring this because this will be hilarious. <laughs> this is this is YouTube worthy. <laughs> it would be. <laughs> oh, the last game I got to play. Now, this is not this is not a 15 minute game, 20 minute game, not a family game. This is a Euro game that I saw at La- at the Origins from a company called Laboratory H. And it's called Dark Domains. I was immediately drawn to the theme because the board just looks really cool. It's really dark and it has like a, a demonic feel to it. And it should because you are playing as evil people whose goal is try to corrupt this town, these towns and villages. At its core, it's a worker placement game and the person with the most victory points wins. But they're not victory points. They're evil points. But still, the person with the most evil points wins. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) But at its core, it's it's a worker placement game. So you put your minions, okay, we'll call them workers, out onto the board. Hold on, hold on. What was the name of that video game? That you were that you had minions and you would send them out to do was it Overlord? No. Oh, oh my gosh. That does sound familiar. I got it on Steam if I'd ever loaded up my Steam, which I need to do here shortly because of um, uh, Lorenzo is waiting for me to play. I'm so mm-hmm. excited. But yeah, okay. Anyway, I'm sorry. I digressed. I squirreled for a moment on a video game. While you talk about it and explain how the game is played, which you know I care nothing about because I can't see how the board is, that's going to go over you, my head. You should care about it because let me tell you, do you like Champions of Midgard? Oh, you know I love it. It won It won one of our games. It was a squirrely award winner. Yes, it is a, it is a Champions of Midgard feel to me it's a worker placement game just like that but you know in that one you don't resolve your workers until the very end and you step Mm -hmm. but location location exact same way there's like 17 locations on the board so everybody goes around take putting their workers onto the board and then you resolve each location one at a time and it's a lot of different things right it's getting resources you can use those resources in order to buy monsters or you can uh, get resources like brick or wood for getting a building and you want to build buildings to put on your domain which generates production for you when they're on the light side. But if you put a monster, buy a monster and put it on that building, it flips to the dark side and generates your victory points. So it's an engine building game where at the beginning, you may have a 
lot of light buildings, but eventually you start flipping them over to the dark side so that they generate you victory points. And then there's also spells that you can get to cast, and then you have to get earth, wind, fire, or water in order to cast those spells. And these can do things like give you extra production. You can attack other people. So that's another resource to manage. The champion's midgard thing of it is this. At the end of each round, there's going to be an adventure party uh, of four cards in two taverns that are going to come out and attack one of you. And what it does, the card indicates is who it's going to attack. It may attack a certain region on your board, forest, wheat, etc. It may say, I'm going to attack a monster. Or it may say, I'm going to attack a certain type of building. But it only goes after dark buildings. So if you have a building that's dark and it matches the area that it's going to attack, it'll come attack your building. And the four adventurers have uh, a certain dice type associated with it, D8, D10, D12. Uh huh. You roll a set of that. That's their attack value. You compare it against your defense value of the building, and if a monster's associated with it, and then you could potentially have other spells and stuff to increase your die roll. If they beat you, they destroy everything on that location. If you win, you get three victory points. So every round, you're constantly looking, am I going to be attacked? And let's say, for example, two people have two buildings that could be attacked. Each building has a number value to it. Whichever is the highest number is the one they go after. So at the beginning of every round, everybody's always looking, oh, crap. Where will they attack this time? And we mm-hmm. say, oh, crap, it's going to be me. It's like, if it's me, they're going to attack this building. I don't have a monster on it. So I get some money, put it down a worker to put a monster on it to help protect it. And then we go to battle. Now, after the battle, uh, those cards, uh, the leader uh, that determines where you go is discarded and a new card comes in. So every round they're attacking something different. That's the part that was a really cool little twist. This sounds like a lot of fun. Everybody enjoyed it except for one thing. And uh, the rule book was a tough thing to get through. <laughs> it is so funny. Your name was referenced a lot yesterday. Because one thing that we needed, Tony, was one of your flow charts. And we said it many times, gosh, I wish Tony would have made a flow chart for this. Because how you resolve where a, a uh, party goes is several steps. Like if there's no dark buildings that they attack, then they could go to a light building. And if it's a light building, they give you money. And they could go to one of two different places. So it's this flow chart of these things you got to go through. And there's two sets of parties and you have to resolve for both. It really could have used your flow chart touch. In fact, the first couple rounds, it's one of those things we were slowly reading through the rules as we played. And we kept having to flip back between the reference cards in the back and the rules in the front. And we were referencing the BGG rules forms because there was something thing, some things that were kind of confusing to us. So the first couple rounds were slow. But once we got beyond that, and we understood it, it was a lot of fun. And so now I'm ready to teach you before we forget because you won't be sitting there pacing around the table trying to figure out what the rules are because we already know how how to play. Well, maybe you can, you know, we'll go through it and you can just, um, I'll be dictating it on my little um, Vizio program and I can be creating a flow chart and we can get it out there for everybody to consume because that's one of, you know, whenever you have that f- rule entry that you have to discover the rules on your, by yourself, mm-hmm. you, you end up having some problems for a game. And yep. that's, that's sad to hear because especially when a game sounds as fun as this, especially like that, that how the adventures are coming out with the different dice associated with them. Yes. And, and here's the cool thing too. There's other spots on the board where if you know that you're going to be attacked 
uh, because this one card says you will, you can go and put a worker in a place called assassination and assassinate him. Then all the adventure cards shift down one. Now there's a new target. So then you could like get the target off you and put it on somebody else. And then they have to deal with it. They got to deal with it. Cool. It's one of those things. It's a Euro game, but there's a little bit of Ameritrashiness to it with the dice rolls. There's some event cards that come out that are kind of random and they can make things bad for you, make things good for you. So it's definitely not a focus on your old board and play. You're interacting with a lot of people and you can do some nasty stuff to people. Like there was one really bad card. It was, uh, was it uh, Mark? Mark had a card and basically he blew up one of Bert's buildings. He blew up his building that created the most victory points. He had enough of the, it, it was a spell to cast and he paid all the resources like boom, and just destroyed it. And Bert was like, not happy because it was a building with a monster <laughs> on it that he had been protecting for quite a while that was generating a lot of points. It's like, oh, it's just gone. And it's one of those things that in the in the threads, people are saying, yeah, that card may be a little over o- OP. You know, I don't know. Uh, you know, people get upset when there's a powerful card like that. I don't know if it's OP or not. But anyway, so this is Dark Domains from Laboratory H. And the reason why I talk about it now, because if you're interested in it, you can still order it from Laboratory H directly. After Gen Con, it's going to go to distribution. And the thing is, though, everybody, this is a smaller publisher. He put this on Kickstarter. He's made some money off of it. But if you're interested in getting it, get it from him now before it goes to distribution because he gets more margin for it. He'll make more money for it. Once he goes in distribution, there's a middleman and he just won't get as much. So if it's something you're interested in, consider buying it directly from Laboratory H as opposed to waiting until after Gen Con when it's in distribution. Dark Domains... From Laboratory H. It's a heavy box, too. It's a, it's a beast. After we were done, Mark and I were like, let's play again. Now that we understand this, let's play again. But um, the other two were like wanting to and go and play something else, so we did. But Mark and I were going, yeah, we need to play again soon. So we need to get that on the table in front of you and Nate and see what y'all think. And it was Overlord, Marty. It was Overlord. Okay. That sounded familiar. Throwback there. That's okay, video. But yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I can't wait to give that a try. And Probably when you get me, <clears throat> is the rule book online? The rule book is online. So I'll download that and I'll maybe try to run a flow chart on it and that will help me teach the game. I tell you what, running those flow charts really helps me learn a game. Flow chart isn't, I don't know that it's necessarily needed for placing your workers. There's 17 different locations. You don't need a flow chart for every single location, but there are like seven or eight phases in the game. I think that could be flow charted really well because there's like a place your person phase, there's a resolution phase, there's a build your building phase, there's the adventure phase when they attack, there's a cleanup phase and all that. So a pretty flow chart would go a long way. Anything else you want me jealous about? No, I played, man, I played a lot while you were gone. I get a lot of stuff when you're not here. A lot of stuff done. I understand that. I mean, 13 days, but that's all right. Uh, mm. So let me ask you this. Yes. I forgot. (coughs) Did I tell you I got up at 3 a.m. Do not play mountains then. Let's see. I think you had a lighter, didn't you? No, I didn't have a lighter. Uh, Oh, I can just see us now. Yeah, you did. No, I didn't. Yeah. Oh, wait. This card's hiding behind this card. Yeah, I did. Oh, man. Oh, there'll be some fights. All these games sound great for Marty, Mm -hmm. but I am sure that in your collection, you've got some great games, but do those games not get enough love because they need some organization to them? That's right. For the broken token, they've got your organizational needs. 
They are ready to sell them to you. They want you to get your games to the table. That is their mission, to get games to the table, and they do that by helping you with setup. They also have some terrain, plenty of accessories. Go buy their Gen Con booth. Tell them Marty and Tony sent you. Mm-hmm. Not that you're going to get anything, but just tell them that. <laughs> yeah. And they'll just look at you and go, okay, are you going to buy something while you're here? <laughs> Marty and Tony sent me. Okay. Oh, yeah. And? It's Marty and Tony. <laughs> well, I don't, we don't know. But take a look at some of those dice organizers. Drop some dice down those tumblers that they're going to have there. They are going to have an exciting booth, as always, at Gen Con. I am looking forward to it. And they're making our squirrely awards for us right now that we're going to be handing out at Gen Con. Uh, so we will definitely come by and seeing them and picking those up, and they're going to hand them out there. So everybody needs to go out to the Broken Token, I would say at least weekly, to see what they have coming because they always have in their bar at the top of the page what new things are coming. They got stuff on pre order all the time. So make sure to go check out all their new organizers and terrain. They got brand new fantasy terrain coming out. So go check them out at thebrokentoken.com. So as promised, as we began the show, my wife, Donna, is joining me to talk about a game that we got to play on our cruise. Now, the excitement level is kind of low here at the McCree's because we are both somewhat sleep deprived, as I pointed out with Marty. And sweetie, are you tired? Yes, I'm ready to go to bed. Well, it's only seven (laughs) o'clock. Which is um, 1 a.m. Rome time. Uh, Well, I appreciate you taking time out to tell everybody about a game we got to play on the cruise, and that is Bricks. Now, this is being brought to us by Stronghold Games. It is a Wolfgang Warsh game, who Wolfgang also did another one of your favorites, actually two of your favorites. He also did Doppelit So Clever or Twice as Clever, and he also did Gonshan Clever or That's Pretty Clever, both of them brought to us by Stronghold Games. So, Bricks. Okay, so this is where Marty usually goes into and starts talking about the rules of the game. I don't do that. That's Marty's job. I need you to do this for me. And Bricks, what's the whole concept? How do you win? You score the most victory points. Yes. Whoever has the most points at the end wins. And what you're trying to do is match Tetris pieces up and fill up the board. And by completing the number of lines, you get so many points, right? Correct. Now, how do you get the various Tetris pieces? What, what do you have to do? Roll dice. Okay, so, so when you roll the dice, um, one of them gives you a color, and that tells you which row to go to. And one of the dice gives you a column to go into. And when you go down, when you match the row and column and you get an intersection, it's going to tell you the type of piece. Now, it has the standard Tetris pieces, right? Correct. It's got a square, a line. It's got the funky, what would you call that one? It's an L shape. And then the little Z. The little Z. Okay. See, I couldn't think of it. The little Z. Oh, and then it's got the one that's got the three with the little nub on the top of it. Mm -hmm. So on your turn, you're going to roll the dice and it's going to tell you in the column and row which piece is falling down your board. Now, if you don't like the one that it lands or that the dice determine, you can re-roll, right? Correct. You get one re-roll. One re-roll per turn. Then you mark on your board, you draw in that piece. And life is good. Now, are you stuck with the piece? No. You have these little energy cells that you can expend or use, and it can allow you to shift in which column you want. Yes, you can only shift that piece itself. You can't change to another piece. 
And you start off with, depending on the number of players, you can start off with four energy cells, or if you only play with two, you only get two. But how do you get more of them? That's kind of the tricky part because it's hard to get those. You need to place a piece of the same color on a dot that's on the board of the matching color. And if you do that, then you get two extra energy cells. And so that's how you're able to manipulate the board and make sure that you can fit the pieces in. Because as you complete a row, you get points. And if you get 10 across, how many points do you get? Um, on the bottom couple of rows, five, and then the points double and then quadruple as you go up the board. Yeah, the quadruple is the last row if you can complete that one. Yeah, I have never been able to complete that one. If you get nine, if you have an open spot and you only have nine in a row, then you get two. And if you have eight, you get one. And if you have seven or less, you get nothing. All in all, what did you like about this game? Well, I'm a big fan of Tetris, so and I like puzzles, so I liked putting the pieces together. It was a little frustrating at times because what you needed wasn't what was coming up, of course, but that's true for any card or dice game. Anything that has a uh, luck instead of skill to it, you always have that problem. But I like putting the pieces together and trying to maximize the most points. And what was some of the strategy that you had to do? That's one of the other things. You needed to make sure that you had an open spots for pieces that may come up. And if they didn't show up, then you were like... Then, then how do I plan for it? That was hard. That's always hard to do because you're also trying to put your colors onto the dots that are on the boards to, in order to get more energy cells. So sometimes you'd put something somewhere so that you could get the energy cells, but it would screw up moves in the future. Because those energy cells, as you're moving across and getting more of those, there's little X's at various points that allow you to mark off a scoring track that adds to your score at the end. So as the more energy dots you get, circle the ones with X's, you can mark off something that's going to allow, that's going to add values. And the higher you go up, the higher those points are. Now you can also mark up on that scoring track if you complete two rows simultaneously or you get to mark off an additional box on that track or three rows you get to mark off an additional one and four which you and I never completed at one I've time. I've only done two at one time but you made three at one time. I, made, I got lucky. That was a pure lucky and the way I was able to do that was I spent five energy cells and would said by doing that I can place any block that I want on my score sheet. Five energy. If you use five energy cells you can put any block. Now, that's why I don't remember knowing that. I don't think you told me that. I rule. did tell you that. No, but you I don't tell me this so. all the time. I, I don't remember that rule. I don't remember that. I would have used that feature if I remember. Okay, that. fine, fine, fine. Let me verify that in the rules, which is something we do when we play that you got to go out and you got to verify this, and that's yeah, fine. I think you kept that one to yourself so that you I could don't use think it I and did. I couldn't. No, I'm pretty sure I did that now. Because, I mean, you know, it's right there in black and white with black lettering at the back that you can use five energy cells to complete. Now, I hope they're called energy cells because if they're not called energy cells, then we have really messed this up. Energy bar and extra points bar. Yeah, an energy point. I call them energy cells. That's okay. I'm good with that. You enjoy Tetris. I do. So from the roll and write aspect, you didn't mind the... It got somewhat frustrating, didn't it? The game, Bricks? Yeah. Yes. But, I mean, all games have a level of frustration factor to them, in my opinion. A couple of things I didn't like about it is one person gets to pick a free piece at the beginning but there's a spot where you can get extra what do you call them energy cells with one particular piece and it's the only one you can get at the beginning of the game so of course the first person to pick always takes that piece because they get two more energy cells mm -hmm. um, I kind of wish that dot wasn't there because I don't think it's a fair 
it gives an advantage to that person and they get those two energy cells right off the bat. I, I agree with you I, I, that you're always going to be because the starting player doesn't get to pick first. It's the last player in the group and they'll get to pick the very first piece and they're going to put the straight up and down black as it was a black in the three column and it has four on top of each other. It's basically a stick. Right. And they're going to, and that's going to immediately going to get them too. But if you think about it, as they go around, they're going to have to take, depending on the number of players, they're going to end up having to suffer that many rolls in front of them. So they may end up using those energy cells sooner than, say, the first player or the second player. But I agree with you. They're always, there's no variability there. If you're that first player that gets to put that box, why not grab the energy cells? Oh, exactly. And I find, I wish it was up one extra space mm-hmm. so that nobody had that advantage at the beginning of the game. Now, you did mention that, yeah, if you get frustrated and you couldn't use it. Now, you could use, you get three bombs. And you can mark off a bomb, and it just you don't have to use the piece that was picked. But in doing so, the bombs end up having to, they, they have victory points on them. I think there's a total of seven victory points in the three bombs. So you're, so you're giving up victory points to not take a piece to possibly let you complete uh, additional rows or get an energy uh, cell or point and be able to use that. Mm-hmm. Now, when after our first game, first games always take a while because we have to go over the rules. And um, it's quick playing, especially with the two of us. Yes, absolutely. I think we played it in 10 or 15 minutes. Roll them, make a decision. Not a lot of um, AP in this game. A little bit. You got a little frustrated with me the one time because I had to take the second roll and I didn't really like my second roll and couldn't figure out where to put it. Well, you know, use your energy bomb. Blow it up. Don't use it. That's okay. Which got to uh, some points. I mean, we're using these little markers and you, the person rolls and you start marking. You're like, wait a minute. I'm going to re-roll that. No, you're not. Yeah, I am. And then you've got a messed up sheet. So you get, remember that I highly recommend that you use pencils on this with erasers because you're going to mess up. Now, one thing that I thought was kind of hard to explain, and since you've played Tetris, you understand it. I mean, pieces, you still got to visualize the piece dropping down the board. And if the piece cannot, it can get hung up like it did in normal Tetris, right? Right. You can't like stick it in the spot. It can, it's got to slide down the board. And if people aren't familiar with Tetris, they may not realize that. They may just start sticking them where they belong. Because you can have an empty space down there, but if you have things overhanging higher up and that piece won't actually fall naturally, can't use that piece. I had that happen once. Overall, uh, I enjoyed playing it. I enjoyed the fact that we, play, we played this a lot. You didn't get tired of it. We had limited luggage capacity, <laughs> so it's not like you brought a boatload of games with you well i brought that's pretty clever i brought that one i brought silver i brought um red seven which you never took bring so clever though no i didn't bring i like that one better than actually that's pretty clever but that's because it's on the ipad that's why i didn't bring it we but then i played alone and you would whip my tail every time so i think that was a win for me by me not allowing you the chance i mean you beat me bad enough in potion explosion on the ipad so why would I introduce another physical game where you could beat me? But I will say. I, I, Potion's Explosion wasn't the butt whooping. It was uh, oh, Quicks. Quicks, yeah. yeah, yeah. That quicks. was on the plane. That's when more sleep deprived kicked in and uh, that's whatever. Now, Is we'll, that your excuse? Uh, that's what I'm going to go with. I, right. I like it. Yeah. Now, in Bricks, there are various levels of difficulty that you can change the game. And it can make it harder or easier. And we played it on normal level. 
about when a block um, of the same color covers a circle, two energy points are rewarded to that player. So when you do that, now there is the easy level, the beginner level, where if the blocks, any block covers an energy circle, then you can get um, a one energy. Oh, you seem to have left that rule out. Well, too. we only, it's not a rule. It's a different level. It's a different game. That's not a rule. That's just a variation, boring variation in my opinion. You need to play at gamer level. You don't need to go down to the easier level. I would have liked some of those energy cells. Now, level four, of course, is it takes away your energy cells if you cover up one with a different color. Would you want to have played at that level? No. And then there are variants for two Sometimes players. you're just stuck with the fact that you have to put something of the wrong color. You know, it's not like you have control over what color you got. Uh, you're absolutely right. And that would make it difficult and even make this game go even quicker. Because I could sure. say... You'd I'd, have a whole yeah. bunch of empty and very low scores because you're... Li you're Rose wouldn't be full. And you'd be like, man, uh, well, what am I going to do? You're done. You're out of energy cell. Game over. It's over. I'm done. Pretty much. Um, and then there's a two-player variant that gives you the ability to battle one another. I didn't. We didn't play that at all. We were just trying to learn how to deal with the game as, in general. And then, of course, there is a solo mode that I will let our listeners discover on their own. You can play by yourself. Eh. That's okay. Just trying to get the highest points. That's no big deal. It's not much to discover. So based on the fact that I force you to have to play a whole bunch of rolling rights because I enjoy them, plain and simple, and I think you do too. Oh, I like rolling rights. And so we, I brought out Bricks, and you know it's one of Wolfgang's newest games from uh, Stronghold. But I have put in front of you, and everybody who's listening to the podcast can't see what I've put in front of you, but I've brought out all the rolling rights that are in the house. Now, Marty has a few of them, which I, so I can't display them here. And I ask you to put them in the order that you like. On the table, we've got Railroad Inc., Steamrollers, Crisscross, Bricks, Quicks, Gonshon Clever, and uh, Doppelit So Clever. Oh, oh, and there's Strike, but I don't want Strike to confuse people because it's an automatic number one. Even though it's not a rolling it's right. It's not a rolling right. Well, you're right. It's just a roll. But you're writing the destiny of the gladiators in the arena and what they have heroically done as they battle There's for no writing. Them. There's just rolling. Well, you could write. You could get a piece of paper and say, this gladiator defeated these number of the... Okay, never mind. Based on that, what's number one for Donna? I don't know if it's because it's newer for me, but I like the uh, So Clever. That's one of my favorites right there. And we can use the English title, Twice as Clever. Twice as Clever. Okay. Uh, all right. So you enjoy that. What do you like the most about that one? I mean, you've played both Gons, That's Pretty Clever, and Twice as Clever a lot. Why do you like twice as clever more than that's pretty clever i like the um the gray box on that's so clever or twice as clever that's not what i hear when it doesn't treat you well on the ipad yeah the ipad is mean to you sometimes it specifically will not give you things or if you do a re-roll i have gotten the same re-roll four times in a row gangs up against me okay because the machine has a memory right some coder has put a memory in there it's not random like we think i agree with you i score very consistently in that game okay so and i feel like sometimes and i do have some games where you know i can't hit 200 but i have never been able to hit 300 and i know you showed me somebody who had hit 400 and i can't even hit 300 uh that's right uh one of our listeners i forgot i think it was i call him dr spongy um i think he's the one that went really really high 
And I was like, get out of there. And I'd like to know how. Um, Was that with uh, Twice as Clever or just, uh, that's pretty clever. I can't remember. I think it was with Twice as Clever. Twice as Clever. Because it had the great box. It had the great box. Mm -hmm. What's number two? Quicks. Why? It's so simple. I know, but it's fast and easy and um, there's a lot of strategy to it, I think. Sure. Okay. I'll I'll let you go with strategy. Come on. I kicked your butt on the airplane. It's because your roles are better than my roles. It's plain and simple. There's no dice manipulation. You can't change anything. You have your force, but that's fine. Quicks. I understand. It's simple. It's easy. It's quick. It's one I can teach to anybody. Yes. All right. Then what's number three? Um, Probably bricks. I did like that. Okay. I mean, this was the first. Or I guess we've only played it about, well, we played it about a dozen times in the past two weeks. But before that, we'd only played it once or twice. So it's kind of new, but I like that one. And number four? What's the other one? So clever. That's pretty clever. That's pretty clever. I knew I'd always enjoy that game. So that's one of my favorites. And then rounding out the top, of course, is Criss Cross. Probably Railroad Inc., would be my next one, really? and then crisscross. Then crisscross, crisscross, which is by Grail Games. Um, I really enjoyed that. That's another simple game, a uh, game by Reiner Canizia that I, I really enjoy. And you've only, we've never played the hard version of Railroad Inc. We've only kept it the basic tracks and roads. We never put in, because I've got the blue version, which gives you lakes that you have to deal with and trying to get it around lakes and all. I've never introduced that. And then finally, I've got Steamrollers here, which, great game. But when you have all these others, I can understand because it's, 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 it's a harder game. It is. It takes longer and it's harder. It's one of those things that keeping attention spans here in the McCree household, because Lord knows mine's not very long and we're in a sleep-deprived mode. I could probably get twice as clever on the... You think we could play twice as clever tonight or do you think mm, there's no way? You'd score what, maybe 10? It depends how the <laughs> dice roll. Depends on if I actually write down what I see or... Just what I think I see. <laughs> okay, that's fine. Let's let's just play it on the iPad. It makes it a lot easier. Appreciate you coming on, sweetie. I know you're, you're ready for bed, and I'm forcing you to do this. You know, it is way past. Oh, it's past 8 o'clock. Oh, my heavens. We might just Again, be. now it's 2 in the morning. It's 2 in the morning here. Did you have fun on the cruise? I did. It was a great time. Um, they're trying to get me to do a cruise with the games, doing the Dice Tower cruise down in the West or East Caribbean. And I said, well, I've talked to the wife, but it's mostly a lot of sea days. Be a lot of sitting around the pool and all. After this past two weeks, that actually sounds pretty good. (laughs) So I love our cruises. I do. But boy, when I come back, I am exhausted. So day after day, being out in the heat, climbing a bunch of stairs. Drinking some wine, eating some food, having ice cream and gelato. Yeah, back on the boat, but I'm sure it's just a lot of heat. I don't know. I think we... I'm sure I'm going to the Mediterranean in July again. That's twice now. Well, thanks, sweetie, once again for coming on. Bricks, would you buy it? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Tony, not only did I play a lot of games where we were going, I got a surprise in the mail. I'm not sure I want to know what that is. Well, it's nothing you're going to be able to guess what it is because I got this heavy box one day. It's like, what in the world is this? And it was coming from Tennessee. And I was like, I haven't ordered anything from Tennessee. So I opened it up and inside are four cans of moon pie beer. Okay. You know, I'm I'm not a beer aficionado, so I'm going to assume that's good. Here's the thing. I'm not a moon pie. I'm not a moon pie. No, I'm a moon pie aficionado. I'm not a beer aficionado neither, but I chilled one of these bad boys up. It's a stout. And if I understand what stouts are, they're what they, they are, what they sound like. They are. They're very stout and strong. 
So I, I, I tried some and it does have a chocolatey taste to it. And so I tried to say, okay, that's, that's not too bad. But what I did was I, I gave a can to my friends to sample who are really into beer. And of course they were all sampling it. They were sniffing the glass as they drank it and tasting it. And one of them was like, yes, yes. I, I, uh, taste the, uh, number one, it is a stout, a, a good stout. I, I taste the chocolate and Oh yes, there, there's a hint of graham cracker, uh, in there too. I went, are you, ah, how are you tasting this stuff? And another guy was going, oh yeah, the chocolate's definitely there, but I don't sense the graham cracker like you do. I'm like, okay, I'm, they're on a different level than I am at this point. Their beer palate is way beyond mine. But I thought that was really cool that uh, that was sent to us. And I found, found out that it was sent from Matt Latham who is a, is a big Kabbalist. I met, he comes to Origins each year, and I, and I met him. And he worked it out with another person in Chattanooga, Tennessee, whose name is Max Moody, who picked up four cans for us and sent them to us. And I just thought that was really nice of them. So thank you guys so much for doing that. I'm going to keep one unopened and uh, keep it on a, uh, a bookshelf here as kind of as a memory sort of thing. So even though I'm not a beer aficionado, I'm not going to get to taste this. You've already parsed it all out. Nope. Nope. I, I have not. I still have two cans left. Oh, okay. okay. Yep. You are more welcome to try one or you, I'll just give you, I'll give you one. You can either try it or just keep it unopened for yourself. Of course, there's no reason why you can't open it and then save the can. Just keep it at your house. We'll have it in a board game next time we do it at your house. That's, I mean, but it's interesting as you said, because we did a wine tasting on the cruise. Yes. And Rebecca's saying, yes, I taste this, this. Donna's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, it's good. <laughs> They're like, what? I'm like, I just, I don't taste the various grapes. I'm talking about the various grapes in the different regions and da da la 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 la. I'm like, yeah, this tastes good. It's it's washing down the steak or whatever. We were having the fish at this time. Oh, what color am I supposed to have with fish? I don't have a clue. Oh. oh, and also another thing too, before we get out of here, as we mentioned at the beginning of the episode, this episode is brought to you by the Game Designers documentary. Uh, that is currently still on Indiegogo. Uh, so if you want to go and uh, check that out, we're still hoping to watch an early cut of this so we can see what it's all about. But this was a Kickstarter that took place, gosh, I guess last year at some point in time. Yep. It was also mm-hmm. backed by BGG. And we've we've talked about it before, but it has a lot of big name designers on there. Like I said, I can't wait to watch it. It's available on Indiegogo until around September or so. You can find them at the gamedesignersmovie.com. And that URL will take you directly to the Indiegogo page where you can get like a digital version of the movie for just 23 bucks. So this has been in the making for a while. Like I said, you can go there and see all the big name designers that have been interviewed. If you want to find out a little bit of behind the scenes process behind how to design a game, this will be the perfect for movie for you. And once we watch it, we'll come back and tell you our thoughts on it too. Will you post it on your Facebook page like you do all your other screenings? I can if if you want me to. That's up to you, man. That's your Facebook page. <laughs> I, I think I, I updated my profile picture in 2019. I achieved something. I haven't done that in forever. You know, I figured out how to do it finally. So I was proud of myself. I said, oh, is that how you do that? So I need to do the banner thing. Update my banner. Wow. We've really digressed, haven't we? <laughs> Are we back on the cruise ship in the Caribbean near Sicily? Oh, 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 that reminds me of one thing. And now, one of the most boring discussions ever in the history of RDTN. So, while we were in Montenegro, 
I wanted to go and get some Diet Coke. Okay. All right. Or Coke Zero. Yes. And so we went to the local grocery store that was right there near the port. You know, it's a lot cheaper than buying it on the ship and you're allowed to bring them on. So I went there and they had Coke Zero and they had Coke Zero Lemon. Okay. Don't you like that? Well, I like Diet Coke with lime. And I'm sitting there going, I love this stuff. You know, I like Diet Coke with lemon. And Rebecca's like, Dad, this is, yeah, this is Coke Zero with lemon. Oh, yeah, I love this stuff. This is good stuff. We get halfway back to the cruise ship, and I go, oh, it's with lime that I like. And she goes, yes. I hadn't clued in. But, man, that was good. A lot better than Coke Zero Orange. No, they have Coke Lemon with Coke Zero with lemon here, do they? No, they don't. They need to make that happen. It was good. I'm just telling you that. Just, just, just exploring, expanding your horizon. Speaking of sp- expanding horizons, I forgot to tell you about this. When I was at Origins, you know how we're always like, I want to try out one of those old school tactical World War II games. Well, yes, I thought that was what kind of what Undaunted was that we talked about in the last. It is, episode. but you know the ones that we see on the table with the little cardboard squares. Yeah, like Panzer Leader, which I had back in the day. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So when I was at Origins, I went by and talked to Flying Pig Games, and they had a game out called The Battle of Kursk. And it's supposedly more of an entry-level game, so it's not one of those takes hours and hours, and it's easy to pick up and learn. So they sent us a copy of that to check out. And so I told them that after Gen Con, that you and I were going to sit down and finally learn how to play one of these style of games. I'm excited. You got it punched? I haven't even opened it. Oh. You gotta get on this. You gotta get on the rules. Come on, man. I do. Tease me like this. But I won't bring that up because right now, currently on Kickstarter, uh, they have what's called the Old School Tactical Volume Three: The Pacific Theater, and this is quick playing battles for two players, tanks, planes, artillery, machine guns, and the soldiers that man them. It has already funded. Um, It it ends on July twenty seventh. So it's the same type of thing where you've got the little plastic uh, cardboard components you put on the board and you go and do scenarios and everything like that that's currently on kickstarter and since it's a volume three i assume that uh, volume one and volume two are out there somewhere uh, sure i would i'd have to go check because <laughs> when you said pacific theater i'm starting to think of like the battle of midway and the battles of the um, various ships uh, that occurred as they battled over pacific that allowed them to go do the island hopping which is what i'm guessing this volume is doing is the various island hopping um Sure. Okay. Well, that's good to know. I'm glad. Yes, I'm with you. So anyway, it's the Pacific Theater. That's yes. all we really, that's all you really know. And I'm good with that. So if you are interested in that type of battling system of the little chits and the little maps and the little hexagons and things like that and defensive strengths of those various counters, something to go take a look at. And if you enjoyed the Pacific Theater or you found that very interesting during the war, sounds like a great pickup for you. And the reason why that we're going to jump in with the Battle of Kursk is because, like it says on the BGG forums, it's a system that newbies can enjoy. Okay, that's us. The counters are large and easy to read. That's really us. There is no jungle of numbers to wade through. That's us again. The range at which a unit can fire is indicated by the color and not numbers. So I thought, okay, this is a perfect jumping in point for us to try something like this. It's easy to learn, easy to read, large numbers. Yeah. 
this this would be a good stop, place to go. This numbers thing's not an issue after you told me what to go buy for my reading glasses so I could play my Switch. One point five. There you go. How's that working for you? Uh, they they haven't arrived yet. I knew I didn't need to order them to go on there, but I did try out Donna's, so mm-hmm. I've got to get mine at my special ones. So there you go. The sad part is, <laughs> I think I said this last time, right? My youngest son has an old Game Boy Advance SP here that I look at that screen and going. I had no problem seeing that screen at one time. Mm-hmm. And now the big old switch. I'm going, what's that say? What's it say? Exactly. Oh, sad. So sad. But that's all right. All right, Marty. Well, I am happy to be back, ready for another fun-filled month, excited to be going to Gen Con. Mm-hmm. We got our playing tickets. Just want to let you know, for those of you who have already purchased your G- uh, RDTM meetup at the Old Spaghetti Factory, I'm confirming the menu. We're going to go with either spaghetti or lasagna again, because that was the hit last year. Miniature Market has announced what they're going to be giving away, a brand new backpack for board games that's going to be offered on their store. And everyone that attends our event will get one of the first ever made. They're pre-ordering those just for us to give away there. So you'll be one of the first ones to get that. And eventually that will be available for you to order from directly from their store. Uh, other things, if you win in your table's version of the strike tournament, you will probably get a squishy acorn as a token of your extreme paralysis of strike. Also, check our blog. As Tony takes notes to put this in there, we're going oh, to put a link in to Emily's Redbubble page in case you want to order your own gladiators in a bowl. No, Gladiators and Arena or Dice and a Ball t-shirt to show which side that you want to represent. That's right. Everything goes to Emily. Emily, thank you so much. And of course, while you're there, if you want to use your Redbubble coupons that come in once you've signed up, there's that special squirrel riding a lawnmower. There is. And again, all the profits go directly to Emily. She deserves it for all the, her having to put up with us. And go, Tweak this. Change that. Can you do this? Can you do this? It's like, oh my gosh, guys, just do it. So everything goes straight to her. So support her and uh, her Redbubble page. Order those shirts. And uh, we're pumped. We're excited. We will have one more episode the week of Gen Con. Hopefully, we'll get in a couple more previews. I think there may be something that's going to be coming out of Gen Con I'm excited about. We might get to play for next episode, but we'll just have to wait and see. All this sounds great. Can't wait for Gen Con to get here, get another vacation. Hopefully, won't have the same issues that I had when I left on my cruise. Just keep rolling dice. And... Take a name. Thanks for listening, everybody. If you want to follow us on Twitter, you can do so at Dyson Names, Instagram Dyson Names, like us on Facebook. Come join our BGG Guild 1589. Heck, if you like the episode, leave us a good review on iTunes, and we'll be back next episode for our big Gen Con preview. I'm still sleepy. I won't go to bed. Tony, I know you're tired. I'll let you go, but you just got to come up with something funny for the stinger. Tony, I don't want to go to bed. I'm tired. It's, I don't know. Don't, why, why is this always my job? I'm tired of this. I'm tired. It's not funny, but I guess I'll have to do. All right, it's con season. You know, a lot of games coming out of Gen Con. You know you're going to want to buy some of those games. You know, one of those places that you go buy those games is at miniaturemarket.com because as soon as those games come out at Gen Con pretty soon they'll be showing up in the warehouse 
a miniature market. And you want to make sure to get your pre-orders in because some of those games are going to be hot. They're going to sell out quick. So go out to BGG, look at the hot list, look at those games that you're interested in that's going to be coming out. Head over to Miniature Parkit and put in your pre-orders now. Maybe put in a pre-order for Undaunted, which Tony and I really like. Maybe put in a pre-order for Empires of the North. So many good things coming out at Gen Con and you don't want to miss it. So make sure to go and place your pre-orders right now at Miniature Market. That's Miniature Market. Miniature Market. I'm just trying to keep Tony from going to bed. Miniature Market. Oh, good gosh. MiniatureMarket.com. 